Ah, yes, friends. On a Wednesday, it's OGP, the one giant podcast. We are your hosts over here, Adam Armbrecht, also covering the Brooklyn Nets on the Locked On Nets podcast. And over there, the healthy, the wealthy, and the wise, Mr. Andrew Makowitz. How are we, sir? Adam, it's crazy to think that the Giants aren't in the Super Bowl, but right now, you feel more optimism about being a Giants fan than you probably do about being a Nets fan, knowing that you cover, you know, the net and that's over on the lockdown network. Let's not go that far because while it's not what I would call a success story at the moment in Brooklyn, they do still have Kevin Durant under contract, right? So we can still look at that. You point to me on this Giants roster and tell me where there's a Kevin Durant level player. And I will walk myself back here a little bit, but it is to say the least um, easier to be a Giants fan right now because it's just about positive things happening in the offseason, hiring head coaches, hiring staffs, new GMs. It's all the aroma of possibilities is in the air where the weight of expectations are are now looming very large over the Brooklyn Nets as the trade deadline is tomorrow. I mean, it's it's got to be crazy being uh, being someone that covers the Nets right now. I'm just glad that all the news that comes out about the Giants over the last two, three weeks, like you can see across the board, you know, round of applause for the Giants and ownership and and the front office being completely revamped and the whole offensive scheme and defensive right. schemes. Like they, they when they said clean house, this is the first time they actually meant it because Adam, like what was here five weeks ago is drastically different than what we actually see in this Giants organization today. So we're going to get into the news around the latest target for the defensive coordinator piece for the New York football giants. Talk about who else could be coming along with him, what it means for the New York football giants from a roster construction standpoint, if it's going to create some more turnover on this team. And then obviously if this is the best case scenario for the giants on that side of the ball this offseason. but just quickly to your point, everything from when Joe Shane held his press conference, you know, going to meet a lot of great people in the building. That's cool. And you said all the right stuff. And we even talked about it back then of, well, I certainly hope that this isn't someone saying like a lot of great minds in the building. And then all of a sudden nothing changes. And then over a couple of weeks, it was like, oh, by the way, here's a new position being created. We're bringing someone over from the bills for the front office. We're moving this person out. We're switching out of here. That guy's moving on. The coaching staff is completely overturning. Like you, you get this sense that for whatever was said publicly, which may have mu- as, as much been for John Mara and Steve Tisch as it was for anyone, Joe Shane behind the scenes has total control of this thing and clearly had a very a very deliberate path that he wanted to walk this offseason, which is very refreshing for the Giants because compare it to Dave Gettleman. Almost nothing changed when he took over as the GM, even from a, you know, a structural standpoint, an organizational, nothing, nothing looked different shy of bringing in a new coach. But this is like, hey, Top to bottom, we have a lot of things to address here within this organization, and we're going to try to get it done as quickly as possible. You know, what's what's interesting is that, you know, when Joe Judge got hired, they basically just, like, put a fresh coat of paint on the house and, like, said it's a brand new house. Like, look at this thing. It's beautiful. And nothing really changed. Like, every single... You know, special teams coordinator and and everything else, even the whole front office, obviously under under Dave Gettleman, nothing changed at all. Nope. And we thought that there was going to be big changes because Joe Judge comes from the Belichick tree, and we were going to get all this like fresh new ideas. And his opening press conference was amazing. And I don't begrudge Joe Judge for how things went down. I still think that he's I think he's potentially going to be a head coach again in this league. And I don't think that. Uh, the majority of the mistakes fall on Joe judge, but ultimately in order for us to get better, we had to just rip the bandaid off and completely overhaul this. And the giants couldn't have done a better job 
from front office to coaching staff, you know, we, we still are waiting to see how the players side of things will end up. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. Tie, you know, two ankles together and a hand to your ear or whatever, and then, and then tell someone to go run a marathon. Right. That's what it's felt like for the New York football giants as an organization. That being the case, we know we have Brian Dable in place. We know that we brought in a young and exciting mind on the offensive side. I highlighted the tight end coach yesterday uh, that they're looking to bring in and make him a part of the staff as well. And then it is, of course, Wink Martindale coming in. He looks like it hasn't been official, made official just yet as the uh, defensive coordinator for the New York football giants. You would, we talked about this a few episodes ago, had this laundry list of possible candidates there from Vic Fangio to Steve Wilkes. You had said um, that Wink Martindale felt like the guy that you would want to see brought into this, obviously with his track record from Baltimore. Uh, just what, what's your instant reaction? Does this feel like box checked? Look what the, look what the giants again have accomplished here this offseason before we get into some of what this defense could be bringing. I think like most giant fans, when P- Patrick Graham was going to get, head coaching opportunities with Minnesota Vikings and we were going to get draft compensation. I think everyone was like, good for you, Patrick, go for it. My man, we'll high five later and we'll take those two third round compensatory picks. Um, When I feel like it's been the same range of emotion for giant fans when he didn't get the job and he was coming back to New York and we're like, you always have a home with us, Patrick, because you said this is your dream job, right? Um, We all went, okay, well, listen, you know, the players love him. There's continuity. His defense was bend, don't break mentality. We're okay with Patrick coming back. Let, let's let's keep some some continuity in the building. The second he bolts for the Raiders, everyone's like, Wink Martindale, like no like no doubt about it. And to be honest with you, if you're gonna redo this whole thing and you're gonna tear it down completely, it makes complete sense to go in this direction, right? Like if if Patrick Graham would have stayed for one season and the defense just was very mediocre, he would have been gone. So he gets more job security going to the Raiders where, you know, he'll get at least a couple of years to, mm-hmm. under Josh McDaniels. I think bringing in Wink Martindale and bringing in a whole new defensive philosophy is going to be great for our team, especially because I think for me, much like most Giant fans, watching teams score seven points in the last two minutes of every first half was like, why can't we make adjustments? Why can't we change things up? Like we, we clearly are putting ourselves behind the eight ball and maybe a new defensive scheme or, you know, the way that Wink Martindale does it might be a little bit different. Yeah, that's the part of it. You know, I think, listen, you know, the apology tour that the Giants fans, if you're always looking for a silver lining, go on with with Joe Judge at times or with Daniel Jones, right, or any part of it, you know. I wonder if, and I'll just couch it before we get to these stats of like, it's the sentiment of did the Giants get their guy or was this the byproduct of losing Patrick Graham, who we know Brian Dable said be really happy to have him here and work with him. When you look back at, at his tenure, it's short and we know how dysfunctional the Giants were. And I think in that regard, it's good for him to get a fresh start. But there are there are cracks in that facade, right? Like to your point, was the personnel always perfect? Of course not. Did the Giants have a great pass rush? Of course not. But there was a lot of talent on these rosters on the defensive side of the ball, right? We've gone through the list before with Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams and James Bradbury. You brought in, uh, you know, you brought in, excuse me, Adoree Jackson. You have Xavier McKinney at the back end, Logan Ryan, Jarrell Peppers gets hurt this past season, but there's, there's a lot of guys that you can point to before this past year. You had Blake Martinez and, and even inside of those seasons, even inside of those games, you still felt like, Hey, 
we, we give up a lot of drives just before halftime, right? We struggle to maybe produce turnovers with consistency. That seemed to be coming up in the right direction a little bit. So overall, I think Patrick Graham moved the defensive side of the ball in a much better direction than it had been. But I don't know if apples to apples, you put in a different coordinator over the last couple of seasons, would it have looked any better, worse, indifferent? That, that's where I think it's okay to, to be comfortable with Graham moving on, comfortable with going in another direction, right? Like that, that has to be the mentality here of maybe it'll be better under someone else because everything in recent memory has always felt stunted, always felt slightly off and slightly behind the times, by the way, too, right? It, it, was, it was Patrick Graham this past year. A big question was like, what happened to what he was doing the year prior to what he's doing this year? And you could say, well, he's making the adjustments or he's trying something, but if it's not effective, where, where is the counter move off of that as well? And I think, you know, uh, hindsight is 2020, but for me, I think this giants defensive roster has a lot of talent on it. Like I, I really do. hundred percent. Look, you look at, at, at some of the different levels. Like I think Adoree Jackson is, uh, a number one cornerback in this league. There's only probably 30 of them. I think he's one of those 30 and the giants were able to get him. Xavier McKinney already looks to be one of the top 10 safeties in the league. And he's, you know, in his second year, he looks incredible. You have Leonard Williams, who's one of the best defensive run stoppers and guys that can create pressure up the middle against any offensive line. You have three different levels of, of talent, level, right? Yeah. Well, like three different levels on the roster. Now, do we need a, a different interior lineman next to Dalvin Tomlinson? Because uh, next to what we were working no, next to Dexter Lawrence. Sorry. Yes. Um, Do we wish that we still had like, Dalvin Tomlinson? You like, sure. you like the Freudian slip on that, right? Like, <laughs> um, but, but yeah, like Sheldon Rankins and other Danny Shelton or whoever it was that we've had, um, you know, pe- like, that's what I mean. It's just like a revolving door inside. Yeah. Do we wish we had better people there? We do we, Hill? Sure we do. Yeah. Do we need uh, a little bit of an upgrade at the linebacking position? I'd say so. Mm-hmm. But, but I think there's enough talent on here that, you know, Wink Martindale looks at it and says, Oh, I can work with this. We draft a couple pieces. I sign a couple pieces in free agency and really like the talent here is, is conducive to what I want to do. So let's, let's crack down on a little bit of what Wink Martindale brings to the table. You have some additional stats here, but I just, I pulled up a couple of quick things here just to kind of put them in context. We know this past year for the Ravens, they dealt with a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, giants level of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. And yet from 2017 to 2020, The Baltimore Ravens were 12th, 4th, 1st, and 7th in yards allowed per game. And over that same exact stretch, they were 4th, 2nd, 3rd, and 2nd in points allowed. You know that there is quality here. And the reason why I highlight some of the two most basic ones is it's not just about, well, you you can hold teams relatively, but still give up the big plays when they matter in the red zone. And the indication here is not only has the Baltimore Ravens been a team capable of stymieing you on the offensive side of the ball and restricting you and dictating tempo as well, because we know that they're a fast moving, big play kind of offense with Lamar Jackson, hit or miss, you know, home runs or strikeouts. They've done a good job with that. And then it's the points piece, because we know that the Giants who have struggled on both sides of the ball when it comes to points, but the opportunity to bring in in the, in the modern NFL and say, hey, we need to be able to shut down the, the opposition here, and we need to be able to deal with consistency. We need to be able to do string together three, four consecutive drives where we're shutting them out. Three and out, five play drives, changing field position. These are things that I think, again, reflecting back on Patrick Graham's time, 
that were not happening. This was our, our, our saving grace for the Giants defense was, well, it takes them longer to get down for points, doesn't it? That That's important, as opposed to being like, why don't you just stop them on their 30? And then we get good field position. And that was a battle that the Giants were always losing and certainly something you can look at with the defense. Yeah, and and Wink Martindale's style is completely different than, than what the Giants did. We talk about bend, don't break was what it felt like with Patrick Graham. Like, you know, make teams go down the field and take these five to seven yard, you know, whatever it is, to, you know, take what the defense gives you. Wink Martindale's defense is drastically different. And uh, he basically leads the league in pressuring quarterbacks and his whole philosophy is I'm going to throw pressure at a quarterback to make him make decisions as quickly as humanly possible. And I'm going to throw different schematic blitzes at you from the left side, from the right side, you know, safety cornerback, middle linebacker, whoever it's going to be to give you different looks so that you're always feeling uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And what that did last year was it, well, I'll get to last year for them and why he's a free agent right now. Oh, but w- what it what it essentially does is it forces them to make a decision quickly, and that usually leads to a lot of turnovers. It leads to quarterback making poor plays. It leads to sacks. It leads to a whole host of things, which the Giants have done very little of in their time with Patrick Graham. And just to give you a stat to back that up, so when you look at the blitz percentage under Wink Martindale, 2018, he was first in the league. 2019, he was first in the league. 2020, he was first in the league. In 2021, he was sixth in the league in blitz percentage. And he would have been first in blitz percentage this past year had his all-pro safety, Marlon Humphrey, not gotten hurt. His all-pro quarterback, Marcus Peters, not gotten hurt. Uh, Deshaun Elliott, his other safety, not gotten hurt. His whole defensive secondary was decimated with injuries. So they couldn't blitz because they were leaving second string guys out on an Island and they couldn't do that anymore. So what you know from him, the only reason why he's six is because the personnel just crumbled underneath them, but that averages out to about 42 to 44% of the time. So just under every other snap, the giants are going to be bringing pressure under wink Martindale. Well, what, what does that, what does that mean to you when I say something like that? No, listen, I mean, well, well, let's, let's roll it over into what the next and most important aspect probably of this conversation is, and that's the impact on the current roster, right? So to your point, um, as you can see, when I gave those stats, it left out last year where the stats were not as good because they were decimated by injuries at specifically key positions. But now when you look over the Giants roster and the defense, you start to say, so there's a couple of levels here. Obviously, the cornerback play is going to be critical. He's going to want man-to-man cover corners that are capable of running with their receivers for less amount of time downfield, but incredibly tight. I wonder how that impacts a James Bradbury. That, like, that, that's been the new name now, and we've talked about it before. That You, know, you move off of him because obviously it's going to give you an opportunity to create some cap space and what that's going to look like, um, w- which is fine, but it's a hard number. We'll get into another episode. I don't want to go too far down that road. You're looking 12. at 12.1 million. 12.1 million is what you will be able to reallocate should you release James Bradbury. Right. But 8.5 million is what you're going to take in a dead cap hit in doing right. so. And, and so, and this is, these are the questions that I, I mentioned a little bit yesterday. These are the questions you have about when Joe Shane says, I want to rebuild this roster. I want to create $40 million in cap room, but I don't want to damage our, our future outlook either. This is the, the numbers game of that. And I've highlighted before a handful of players. When you throw in a, a Logan Ryan, a Kenny Galladay, and there's another name that I, uh, it seems to slip my mind here when I do this, where it goes, here's $38 million in cap room. It only takes $11 million in a dead cap hit. These things are all predicated on different dates. Let's just stay inside of this for right now. The, obviously, the secondary play is going to be critical. 
you're going to look at the back end and say, now we, we had mentioned what happens if Patrick Graham stays? Well, then you think some of these veteran players have a spot on this roster. If he goes, maybe they're gone. Bradbury seems to be the big question mark. Logan Ryan, oddly enough, I think is a guy that maybe could stick around. I don't know if the price point is too high for the Giants right now, but he's obviously a veteran. He's obviously experienced, and he has a ton of versatility to add with Xavier McKinney. Jabril Peppers is not going to be a part of this thing coming back. When you go down then into the linebacking core, Blake Martinez is not well suited for this defensive scheme. That's a problem because he cannot play in coverage at all if you needed him to do that. Can he stuff the run? Can he come on a, on a supportive blitz package? Of course he can. But you need to figure out what you're going to do on the interior at the linebacking spot. Tay Crowder, oddly enough, is a very low-level guy that I think could function better in whatever role you want it to be support-based. But he could actually have a nice role because he's better at ranging around the field and maybe picking up some guys in coverage, being a you know a pseudo-safety linebacker. The big piece is, of course, we like Aziz Ojolari. Who else is getting pressure on the quarterback? Because that's what the Giants don't have right now. And I think the impact on the roster is also the impact on the offseason here in free agency. And you're going to get to that in a second. And then, of course, the draft piece. Let's, let's, let's pause on the draft piece and talk about the free agent market and where the Giants now may shift their attention, given where Wink's coming from, the Baltimore Ravens and some talented players. Well, so one name that you left off is Lorenzo Carter. I really think that's going to be an interesting name for the Giants to figure out what they want. Does 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 Wink Martindale? I I mean, he's one of the guys that you keep bringing up, and you're like, ah, maybe we should bring him back for another 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 tour with the Giants. It's just so so hard to know what his market value is going to be. Will a team pay him eight million dollars a year? You know, on a multi year deal. I don't know, maybe because he's such a young and guy with upside, but like. If the Giants can bring me that he's not back because it's a new defensive coordinator now, that would be my instinct. And maybe the price point works out. I don't know though. And I, and I listen, I welcome someone pushing back and saying, no, he still could have value because I think he does have value. And and arguably maybe he'd be more valuable in a wink Martindale system than he was, than he was in Patrick Graham's. Right. And that's my point is that he has the ability to bring pressure, but maybe, maybe we weren't utilizing him effectively. Um, you know, the, the the first stat again I'll give on, on Wink Martindale was the reason why it all fell apart last year. They were number one run defense in the entire league. They were com- dead last by a large margin in pass defense because their secondary was just decimated. Right, so their off their defensive line was was handling business, but teams were also just saying, okay, well we'll just throw all over this like backup secondary and and just get yards. Sure, but but what I do think is interesting, you've seen what's happened with Joe Shane and Brian Dable on the offensive side where they're already signing Davis Webb. They're they're already signing some different Buffalo guys to future contracts. They're bringing in people they know. You know Wink Martindale is going to do the same thing. And the reason why their defense has been so successful is because like they've built a culture in Baltimore where like older, still productive veterans like on cheap contracts can still get you, you know, sacks or tackles or pressures. Where the Giants haven't been able to do that. Like our our signings have not been as fruitful, maybe because of the culture, maybe because of the scheme. But either way, Wink Martindale is going to bring bring both of those to the table. And I'll give you two examples. One is Calais Campbell leaves the Jacksonville Jaguars and goes to the Baltimore Ravens. He's 35 years old. And he's a you know defensive end, interior, defensive guy. Only had one sack last year, but had an 80.8 PFF rating. Like he is still just stuffing the line and creating havoc for everyone along that. He's a free agent right now, right? Does he like what Wing Martindale has done since he's gotten there over the last four or five years? Maybe. Then you look at a guy like Justin Houston, right? He's an he's an edge rusher. 
been on a few different teams. He's 33 years old. He had six sacks and a 77 PFF rating. Like we don't have any of those guys on our roster, right? Justin Houston had a two, $2 million cap hit. I believe this year, like where are we getting six sacks for $2 million from a, from a veteran that wants to come here and play? Like we don't usually get that. And so I'm, I'm interested to see if some of these guys that have had success under wink, he's like, come build this culture in New York, drive up 95, come with me. We'll get you a couple million dollars and you could start right away in our new scheme. Well, so the only pushback that I'll give you, I like the idea of it. The only pushback I'm going to give you is that you're talking about guys who, yes, are older, but are coming off of a very successful season for themselves, right? So, you know, where's the market for them? Is somebody willing to give them a a few dollars extra? I don't hate it at all, though, by the way. This is when we talk about short-term, long-term, right? You want to rebuild this this team. You want to recreate some of that cap room that you've lacked over the last handful of seasons slash decade. This is how you do it. You go with some, some veteran guys who are experienced and listen. We've seen this with the Giants at, at certain positions, right? Whether it was a Jonathan Stewart, uh, whether it was an Alec Ogletree, you know, going with some veteran guys and being hit or miss and the value starts to diminish somewhat quickly. I, if the price point is right, I'm fine to bring in some of these veterans and say, listen, you can come in and have success even if you're diminishing as it goes along. It's still worth it for us because the price point is always going to be good enough and you're also going to be maybe teaching the system and teaching the methodology to some of the young players that are going to be here longer term, especially as we know, as we get to the draft here, one other guy that I just want to throw out here um, inside of that group didn't come away with a great PFF grade. We know it's not the end all be all. And that would actually be uh, Anthony Everett, who's on the Baltimore Ravens free agent projected just north of $12 million on an annual salary. If we're talking about the idea that the New York football giants maybe would want to move on from James Bradbury then I immediately look over to the Baltimore Ravens in their secondary and say, are there any pieces here that Wink really likes that he thinks can come in and be successful and help run that back-end system that he's looking for? So there's going to be a lot of these names I think that we'll dive into. But to your point, Wink Martindale certainly has cachet and notoriety around the league as being a great defensive coordinator. And he's been in Baltimore I think it was six years as the coordinator, 10 years total with the, with the organization. Those players have gone out. They've been other places, right? And now when you get to this place and you have an opportunity to bring in some of these guys that you've worked with before, that can start to turn over this roster. And certainly it moves the needle more in the direction of turning over to the roster than we would have assumed had they stood pat with Patrick Graham. I mean, you hear some of the quotes that are coming out from former players. They're like, he's the best defensive coach I've ever worked for, and it's not even close. Then there's another guy that's like, I have no idea why he is not the head, the defensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens. Like people, people are stunned and they, they had no real understanding why he became available. I'm sure that there's things behind the scenes that probably led to that. You know, Wink also has interviewed a few times for defensive coordinator, uh, for head coaching positions, one with the giants when they had the cycle with Joe judge. So I think also there was familiarity with Wink Martindale from the front office and John Mara. This ended up being a pretty easy home run from top down where it's like he's he's been an awesome defensive coordinator. The Giants front office is familiar with him. Brian Dayball said when he came on, I would love to have Wink Martindale as my guy. And Joe Shane's like, yeah, he's one of the smart minds. So it kind of the stars all aligned from top down to bring him in. And I think it's refreshing to have a new system. The the way the Giants play defense is going to be so crazily different than what you've seen that I think people are going to be stunned early on. Like, uh, you know, I'll have to load up the blitz percentages of Patrick Graham, but it's nowhere near what Wink Martindale was doing. Listen, I'm just going to put it to you this way. And there's one last piece I want to get to before we get out of here. 
when you when you watch, we've always talked about this with the Giants, offensively and defensively at times over in recent years, right? When you watch some other team, whether you're playing against the Giants or you just turn on another game, you go, well, "Why are we? Well, why are we doing that? Like, why doesn't our you know why doesn't our offense look creative like that? Why did why when I turn on other defenses do I see athletic, fast players flying around the field making plays in and around the line of scrimmage? Right, like the Giants always seem to be this step behind the times, and the Baltimore Ravens have been one of the most prominent examples of a defense that has athleticism and that plays at speed and that forces you into mistakes that you don't want to be making. And that's not something that we've seen from the Giants, even under Patrick Graham, under anyone else, up since you know the NASCAR packages of Super Bowl days of old, where the Giants really were dictating tempo and pace at an offense. And I assume that's very much what we're going to start to see from Wink Martindale and the Giants. Real quick here, what is the draft impact for Big Blue now on this as well? Because again, when we thought we we're going to stand pat maybe with Patrick Graham, it made it easier in the top four picks in the top 85 to say, okay, let's make sure two out of four of these are going to be offensive linemen. Do we think we want to bring in another weapon on the offensive side of the ball? What, how do we want to spend and allocate our assets? Do you think that this shifts things a little bit where let's just take trade downs off the table five and seven? Is there going to be a conversation you think in that room where, where the giants are saying, Hey, we obviously need an offensive lineman. We want to get a tackle in here on the other side across from Andrew Thomas and Wink, what is your input? Is there a guy here at five or seven, if, if they fall the right way, that you look at and say he's critical to starting to turn this process over immediately? Or do you see players in the second round? Do you think that the we can plug in personnel packages because you're going to want to do it through free agency in the draft? You're going to want to get what? A third, probably, of the defensive roster turned over with personnel that Wink Martindale wants in there at a minimum? So you have to do it, you know, one way or the other. And knowing that the Giants, at least at this moment, are cap restricted, I think it does elevate some of the defensive profiles when it comes to draft time. It's no secret that it would be malpractice if the Giants don't draft an offensive lineman in the first round. Now, if you sell me some crazy thing where they trade back and they get multiple picks and, and early second round, you're saying that's when we address offensive line. Uh, I wouldn't be happy with it, but maybe you could sell me that if because in Joe Shane, I trust. Mm -hmm. But you know that one of those first few picks has to be offensive line, whether it's five or seven. I think Wink Martindale being introduced as the as the defensive coordinator, I think it kind of takes a guy like uh, Hamilton from Notre Dame off the table for the Giants. He's considered a, a safety who is you know, transformative. They're saying he's like one of the best safeties to come out uh, in the last decade. Yeah. Um, he's tremendous, and I think he's great. But knowing how much pressure we bring and knowing that Wink Martindale plays a lot of single high safety, that's already where Xavier McKinney is going to go, right? So like to me, the while he's a great, Hamilton's a great player, it doesn't really fit what Wink Martindale is doing when we already have the guy sitting in the back, like who could be an all pro anyway. So I think, you know, Wink being there kind of eliminates that need and it probably stresses more importance on potentially drafting a cornerback in the first round, yeah. if you're going to move on from James Bradbury, you bring someone in and then you, all of a sudden you got a Dory Jackson, Aaron Robinson, Darnay Holmes, and this new first round draft pick to allow you to bring pressure in different looks. By the way, uh, Aaron Robinson, the, uh, he's been noted as being someone that could really benefit from Wink Martindale's system because he's a bigger physical corner. You want to play in man to man and, and he could really find a, a very consistent home here. And we know only got to flash a little bit late dealing with injuries last season. So he's a guy that carries over, right? Young player just got drafted. Think that his spot should be secure. Uh, listen, at the end of the day, 
This is another very shiny feather in the cap of the New York football Giants offseason. I think that this is, again, we talked about it from top to bottom, from the GM to the head coach to offensive coordinator to tight end coach that I talked about yesterday, who, uh, again, he worked in, in Baltimore with Andrews and with blocking tight ends as well, something the Giants fans aren't really familiar with. You can block as a tight end. I know it's a foreign subject, but now down to Wink Martindale. You're, you're just checking the boxes very successfully. The proof will be on the field. The proof will be in the results that this team can get, but it feels like you set yourself up very well. And just regarding the draft, I think with the hiring of Wink Martindale, my, my mentality as we start, we'll start to get into it this offseason has probably gone from a 65-35 or a 70-30 should go offensive in the draft and really fix a lot of issues and get, get key players that you want in. Maybe it's closer to 60-40. Maybe it's almost 50-50 now where you say the key component is fixing the offensive line, and now let's also fix the defensive front, right? Let's get the, let's get the players that Wink needs in place here. So number one, bring the pressure. And you'll sort out the details on the back end maybe, but I, I like your point about cornerback, but we need to be able to get the pressure. And if we can't find that in free agency at the right price, you have to be willing to spend in the draft to accomplish that. Simple thing for me, and I'll end it short and sweet, Adam. The Bills the Ravens and the chiefs. Those are the three teams that we've taken all assistants and coaches and everything else from. And guess what? They've been pretty successful over the last decade. I like the decision and, and we're, we're taking from the best of the best. I am excited about the future of the giants. YouTube subscribe to it. Listen to the podcast where we get those needs fulfilled. We'll be back in fast and furious, wet and wild. And as Andy Makowitz wants needs and nay demands, the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.